Well, I don't follow instructions very well, uh, specifically when it comes to putting things together. In fact, in our home, my wife, Sabrina, she's normally the one that, that puts things together or fixes things, because if I do that, uh, I, I may not respond very well in the process. Uh, I, I've shown this video before, but it's one of my favorite videos of all time, uh, because if I uh, put things together or try and fix something, I might respond kind of more similar to the guy in this video. So go ahead and check out this video. What? my goodness. It is funny every single time. And you laugh because you know, like you've been there or you've witnessed somebody who's been there, right? So with that in mind, uh, not too long ago, our daughter Mariah needed a desk for her room. And so I went to Walmart and bought a desk and brought it home in a box, took it up to her room, set down the box in her room. And she asked, you have to put this together? I said, yeah, that's how it normally works. To which she said, with somewhat of a condescending tone, are you able to do that? <laughs> which tells you my reputation for putting things together in our home. So I assured her I was able to do it. I, I, I opened up the top of the box like this. I, I tipped it over and I, I poured out, whoa, I poured out all 87 million parts of this desk. Like, you, you've been there before, right? Like, you, you see the picture on the front of the box or you, you see a perfectly put together display in the store. It's why you bought it in the first place. It looks so great in the picture or on display, but you get it home and there's literally a bajillion parts in this thing to put together. So upon seeing all the parts, uh, Mariah, uh, in order to pour salt in the open wound that she created, she asked me, should mom be doing this? which is why she's no longer my favorite child. <laughs> so I, I started out following the instructions, which is typically my MO. I usually do pretty good starting out, but then by step 47C1A, my patience has run out, and, and I think, oh, I see where this is going, and so I just try to finish it on my own. My own desire takes over. My eyes uh, kind of get off the instructions. But by the time I'm done, inevitably, I've left something out. I put something on the wrong way or something's on, you know, inside out. And it doesn't work the right way or it doesn't look the right way. And so I do what any normal human being would do. I throw it across the room, right? <laughs> now, with the desk, I did not throw it at Mariah. No, I did, I did not throw the desk but I did, there was one of the main pieces I accidentally had on with the unfinished side facing out, but I told Mariah, you hurt my feelings, so I'm leaving it that way, and it's still there today. <laughs> now, the, the point is, that story is how I feel many of us approach relationships and marriage. We have this desired outcome. We have this display 
uh, of, of a desired relationship or, or marriage. For those of us in the faith, in the Christian faith, we even have instructions from God on, on how we can live out the intended purpose for marriage. But so often though, we, we don't know what the instructions are or we don't believe they are right. Or what I think we most often do is exactly what I did with this desk. Uh, we take our eyes, our hearts off of the instructions and we try to figure it out our own way. And if in marriage we try to figure it out our own way, we're gonna miss out on the intended purpose of marriage. And the purpose of marriage is what I want to talk to us about today in week number four of a six-week sermon series we're in. It's all about relationships called hashtag single, finding fulfillment no matter your relationship status. If you're new here, by the way, uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And I promise if the sermon does not go as planned, I will not throw my pulpit across the room, uh, at least not while the video is recording. For everyone, for everyone who is with us, including anybody who's joining us on video somewhere, just so glad uh, that all of you are here today. And I do wanna kinda stop right here and just kinda cast vision a little bit for something coming up in December. So on, on Sunday, December 8th, we are having our annual year-end iHeart Wyoming offering. And iHeart Wyoming is a part of our vision uh, to, to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And, and iHeart Wyoming is an outreach initiative seeking to make that kind of impact. We started it several years ago that, that is above and beyond our normal giving and above and beyond our normal outreach efforts here in Cheyenne, like the shoe giveaway that we celebrated earlier. It, it, is, it is fully funded by the I Heart Wyoming offering, and all of the proceeds are used to partner with and give away to other churches all around the state of Wyoming. Uh, just this year, we, we have partnered with 14 different churches, giving away $75,235 to help them. Yeah, we can celebrate that. It's awesome. And those resources and partnerships are meant to help those churches serve their communities in tangible ways to elevate, expand, and reinforce the credibility of God's church, not just Element Church, but God's church in all 23 counties of our state. So you'll be hearing more about iHeart Wyoming and the offering in the coming weeks. I just wanted to make sure that you get that date in mind, all right? December 8th is the iHeart Wyoming uh, Sunday. And I wanna challenge everyone who calls Element Church home to at least pray about what God wants to give through you. Um, I don't have a number goal that we're shooting for. I have a participation goal. I'm praying that we'd have a 100% participation. And here's why. I challenge us with this every year. No one person can give everything. But we can all give something. And if we all give something, we'll end up accomplishing everything. Amen. So that's Sunday, December 8th. Just start praying. God, how do you want to partner? How do you want to use my resources that you've given me to go towards this? Now, back to the purpose of marriage. I believe the purpose of marriage is clear. I believe the instructions are, are there that we need uh, to, to use all of the parts necessary to build, build towards this desired Goal. We just take our eyes and our hearts off of the instructions, and then we end up practicing marriage without pursuing the purpose of marriage. And that leads to our big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. The practice of marriage 
without pursuing the purpose of marriage, will always feel incomplete. The practice of marriage, just being married, without pursuing the real purpose of marriage, it will feel incomplete. It will feel like you've left a part out or you've put it on the wrong way or you're using it the wrong way. You're not building towards this desired goal and purpose of marriage. If you are married, for those of us who are married, like we all pursue something in marriage. Everyone does. You might be pursuing pleasure, that that marriage gives you some kind of pleasure in life. Maybe you're pursuing power or control. You might be pursuing comfort or security or safety or just someone to love or someone to love you. Like we all pursue something in marriage, but but if, if if we're practicing marriage without pursuing the purpose of marriage, it will just feel incomplete. So here's the big question we've got to then answer today. What's the purpose of marriage? What is the purpose of marriage? We're literally grazing the surface of this subject today. Uh, In fact, all of the subjects in this series, we're just touching the surface. I'd encourage you to go back if you've not been here and listen to or watch the other sermons at elementchurch.life. You can watch all of them there. Uh, But because we're just kind of touching the surface of these giant subjects, uh, we're doing a a Q&A in two Sundays uh, to help answer or clarify any questions that you might have. Uh, There'll be a way in the service that you can ask me questions anonymously through a website that we're gonna be using. And so that's two weeks from today. I'll do my best to answer or clarify uh, any questions that you have. The main scripture today is Ephesians 5, 15 through 33. Ephesians is in the New Testament portion of the Bible. If you don't own your own Bible, we believe in it so much, we give them away, and uh, we'd love for you to have one. So ask for a Bible out in the lobby before you go. They're free of charge. If you are a Christian, Ephesians chapter five is probably the most familiar passage in all of the Bible about marriage. Now, I know that not everyone who is, who is here today is a Christian or believes in God or, or believes in the Bible. And if that's the case, there is literally no other place I'd rather you be than right here today. And if you're not a Christian, uh, you need to know I'm preaching this message from the perspective or through the lens of Christian marriage, all right? So while I'm preaching from that lens, there, there might feel like there's some parts of it uh, that don't apply to you. But there's going to be some principles in this sermon that whether you believe or not, if you apply them to your marriage, it will revolutionize your marriage relationship. So what is the purpose of marriage? Uh, At the risk of sounding like a heretic, I'm going to start with a quote from a pastor and not from scripture. We'll get to scripture. I'm going to want to start with this quote to get us going here. Henry Nouwen, a Dutch theologian and pastor, said this. Marriage is not a lifelong attraction of two individuals to each other, but a call for two people to witness together to God's love. It is to understand that we are elected as a married couple to build together a house for God in this world. To build together a house for God in this world. And by the way, It's not talking about a physical house or a family. He's talking about the house of God in this world. So last week, we talked about the commitment of marriage. Today, as we focus on the purpose of marriage, I want us to see the purpose of marriage as a calling. So what is the purpose of marriage? Number one is this. Marriage is a calling. It's it's a calling to us. 
I love the idea of marriage being a calling because that word calling, spiritually speaking, puts some weight on the covenant of marriage. It's not just something you are supposed to do. It's not something you do because everyone else you know is getting married or people in your life think you should get, get, get married. That's a horrible reason to get married, by the way. It's not just a lifelong attraction of two individuals. Marriage is meant for us to build a house for God in this world. In Christianity, we, we normally focus our teaching on marriage to verses 21 through 33 in Ephesians chapter 5. But really, the teaching on marriage in verses 21 through 33 is just a continuation of God's teaching through the apostle Paul who wrote it, through, through Paul's teaching on the kingdom of God. So it starts in chapter 4, verse 1, actually. Uh, you, you need to remember, if you don't know, that the Bible was not originally written with, with chapter numbers, chapter headings, and verse numbers. It was written as one continuous thought, these letters. So starting in chapter four, we, we are challenged to, to use our spiritual gift to, to build up and advance the kingdom of God. We are challenged to be lights in a dark world, that we are challenged to be fully on mission for Jesus and his kingdom. And then out of that teaching, there is some specific instructions for what that means in a marriage. So for us to truly understand the purpose of marriage, we've got to read this teaching in its fullest context, right? So, so I want to go back to the preceding verses, and we're going to start in verse 15 of our main scripture here. So Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15, God, through a man named Paul, the apostle Paul writes this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Hello. Does that not apply already to every relationship? Like, does anyone need wisdom for their marriage today? My hand goes up. Anyone need wisdom to live out their singleness today, right? Like, this already applies. Then he says this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So not just what is my desire for marriage and relationships, what's the Lord's desire? What does the Lord want to do in my marriage? What's the Lord want to do in my singleness? Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And I'm not trying to be humorous, but if we're honest, honest probably a few marriages as well. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, talk about application. Does anyone need the power of the Holy Spirit to live in their marriage today? Does anyone need the power of the Spirit to, to navigate singleness? Yes, all of our hands should go up. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for what? Everything. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So am I giving thanks for my marriage? Am I giving thanks for my singleness? Wow. So from there, then it goes into this specific teaching on marriage that we actually focus on. So if the practice of marriage without pursuing the purpose of marriage always feels incomplete, what's the purpose of marriage? It's a calling. And the first thing we'll see in this calling, letter A is this, a calling to the mission of God. It's a calling to the mission of God. 
I'm trying to nudge us today <laughs> into a different paradigm of thinking about marriage. Because I know when I got married, my first question was not how, how will this advance God's mission? I had other things in mind when I got married. Even in my marriage, after getting married, that was not always my, my focus. But as I've been preparing for this, this message, I, the, I think a paradigm shift is needed for us. Like you cannot look at this passage and not walk away with the understanding that Paul's teaching on marriage here was in reference to how marriage is meant to move the mission of God forward. Marriage is meant to build a house for God in this world. And I'm telling you, like if, if you miss that, if you miss that in marriage, your marriage will feel incomplete. You're gonna feel like a, like a part's missing. Like a part was put on the wrong way. Like you're not building towards that that display in your mind. Cutter Calloway, in his book, Breaking the Marriage Idol, I think we have some left in the store. It was revolutionary in, in helping my heart kind of make a shift in my, in my thinking. He said this, and this is powerful. So marriage and singleness are about more than who to take out on a Friday night or whether sex will or will not follow. It's about God's mission in the world. Or to put it differently, what if the chief criteria for a future spouse were not sexual chemistry, a common set of personal interests and hobbies, or even emotional compatibility, but rather a capacity and willingness to collaborate in a lifelong project of caring for the outsider, the marginalized, and the oppressed? Holy cow. Now, this doesn't mean that every marriage will live out their marriage for that mission of God. It doesn't mean that every marriage is living out the mission of God. And it doesn't mean that everyone has to be married in order to live out that mission. Like even in the series, we are trying to elevate the status of singleness to an equal place of value and honor in the kingdom of, of God. I'm just saying, before you ever seek out marriage, we should be asking the question, am I entering this marriage so that we together Together can be a better part of the mission of God on the planet. Are, are we together going to build a house for God or just for ourselves? Is that our focus of marriage? For those of us who are already married, we should be asking that question about our existing marriages, by the way, and then make the appropriate changes if the answer is no. Lori Krieg director of Whole In My Heart Ministries. She preached for us back in February during our Grace and Truth sermon series. She's a phenomenal uh, leader and, and, um, and minister of God. She said that we should ask this question before seeking marriage. God, what is the mode that you want me to do the mission of making disciples? Single or married? Kids or no kids? And if you don't ask and know the answer to those questions, then the practice of marriage without pursuing the purpose of marriage will always feel incomplete. The purpose of marriage is first a calling to the mission of God. And my wife and I, we have some things that we have to adjust in our marriage if that's going to be the case. 
and I'm going to judge by your silence that either I'm completely missing the mark or this is landing on some hearts today. The second part of this calling is this. It's a calling to minister for God. Not just to be a part of the mission, but to minister for God. And now we get into the specifics between husband and wife, okay? Ephesians 5, 21 through 30. If you've been around church for a while, you've heard this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. No one's running away, so we're still good. Okay. Now, I don't want to critique how God led Paul to write this teaching, but in our modern day world, it sure would have been helpful if Paul would have started with the next verse first, right? Like start with the dudes and then go after the ladies. So the next verse is for the dudes, verse 25, for husbands, right? Which by the way, he's literally saying, husbands, this is the way you submit to your wives, the first verse said, submit to one another. So there's mutual submission happening here. So husbands, if you want to be the leader of your home, then the first leadership responsibility you have is to lead the way in submission to your wife. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. Which, by the way, God gave the wives three verses of instructions and the husbands six. <laughs> which speaks to the hard-headedness of the husbands. By the way, just from, not even dissecting it, just from reading the expectation of marriage, do you see now why I asked, does anyone need the Holy Spirit's power in their marriage? Like we can't do that on our own. So marriage is a calling to the mission of God for the world and it's a calling to, to, to the ministry of God towards each other. Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So how does this look in, in a marriage? Well, I'm gonna do what I want and I'm gonna start with the guys. So I don't think I've ever spoken on marriage and not included these practical steps for husbands and wives. So as simply as I can, and practically as I can get it, here's husbands, I think your role in marriage. Seek, serve, and spoil your wife. Seek, serve, yeah. Man, sister went loud on that one. I don't know if her husband's here, but she, he knows now. Seek, serve, and spoil your wives. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for you. Luke 19, verse 10 says about Jesus, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek 
and save those who are lost. So we should seek our wives, meaning you can make intentional time for them. Ask them questions to continually learn more about them. Plan a date where you don't ask her where she wants to go or what she wants to do. And you schedule the babysitter if you need one and take care of all the plans for her so she doesn't even have to think about it. That's, there's lots of ways to seek your wife. Pick one and do it. Amen. Like this week. And here's why it's so important, husbands, that we seek our wives. Because if we stop seeking our wives, our enemy, the devil, will make sure she has an opportunity to be sought by someone else. He's cunning and crafty. And if you're not seeking her, he knows that she wants to be sought. And so the enemy will find someone else to seek her and try and pull her away. Marriage is hard enough without the devil. But sometimes there's things we do that just invite him right in. I don't know who that was for. I didn't say it in the first service. But someone needed to hear that. Mark 10, 45 then says this, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. So we serve our, our wife. Find out what she hates to do around the house and then start doing that for her every week. If you, if you don't know your, your wife's love language, Find out what her love language is and fill that bucket for her. If you don't know what love languages are, just Google five love languages by Gary Chapman and you'll find all the information you need. Ask her, what am I not doing for you that you'd like me to start doing? Again, the opportunities to serve are endless. You can find one. And so seek, serve, and then spoil your wife. But before you get too excited, ladies, I'm not talking about spending money on you. That might be part of it, but it's not what I'm talking about. And, and I'm, I'm not saying this facetiously or to be funny. There, there's probably someone here today, a husband, who you're thinking, why should I spoil her? She's not done anything to earn that or deserve that from me. And that's what spoiling means. Romans 5 verse 2 says this, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we, are, where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So spoiling your wife means treating her in the way that God desires for you to do it, not in the way she deserves. Because by the way, there are plenty of days where you too don't deserve her love. And I know you didn't deserve God's. Yet he lavished it on us through Jesus Christ. So husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, now we have this non-four-letter word that we've made a four-letter word in marriage. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> That's what I want to do right now. That, that word submit, by the way, in the original Greek language that Paul wrote it, that word submit means I place under or I put myself under someone's authority. This is huge, by the way. Let me, let, me, let me say it clearly, ladies. Submission is a choice, not a condition. You are not less than your husband, but you should submit to him as to the Lord. As Christ is the head of the church, Paul says, so the husband is the head of the marriage. 
This does not mean that you should remain in a harmful or dangerous situation for you or your family. And it does not mean that you should ever follow your husband to commit evil or sin, okay? It just means we're, we're called to submit. So, so in the same way we ask, well, how did Jesus love us? That's what husbands should do. We should also ask, well, how does the scripture say we're supposed to submit to Christ? And that's what wives are supposed to do for their husbands. So ladies, here's your uh, kind of three words. Re- respect, rejoice with, and relate to your husband. Respect, rejoice with, relate to. Ephesians 5.33 says this, so again I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. The word respect, by the way, in the original language means to entertain a high esteem for, being desirous of pleasing him in all things, lawful, reasonable, and proper, it means honor. And again, I'm not talking about that you do this just because he's earned it or deserved it. I'm saying you do this because God desires for you to do it regardless of what he deserves. It's seeking to please him in all things proper, uh, lawful, and reasonable. It's just honoring him. So respect your husband. Then verse, uh, Philippians 4, verse 4 says this next one, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. So not only should, should you respect your husband, but if, if we rejoice in, in Jesus and that's how we're supposed to submit, then you should also rejoice with your husband. And please don't leave saying that, that Pastor Jeff said you should worship your husband. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying lift him up. Encourage him. Be his biggest fan. Let your husband know that, 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 that you respect him, yes, but you also, you also believe in him, that you're with him that you rejoice with him. And I understand sometimes you might have to think really long and hard about something you can rejoice with in your, in your husband. But I'm telling you, if you start encouraging him about the things he's good at, he will start doing better at the other things. But encourage the good things. And those other things will start to lift up. And then James 4 verse 8 says this, come close to God and God will come close to you, so respect, rejoice with, and relate to your husband. Meaning, come close to him. Support his plans, his dreams, his hopes, his desires, in the same way that you want him to support yours. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For husbands, this means love your wives as Christ loved the church, seeking, serving, and spoiling her. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord respecting him, rejoicing with him, and relating to him. And I'm telling you, when we do that, you don't have to believe to do those things. And when we do that, when we live out that ministry of God for one another, not only are we working from all these parts to this finished project, uh, product, but we are also leaning right into the very last part of the calling of marriage. That the practice of marriage without pursuing the purpose of marriage, will always feel incomplete. So what's the purpose? Uh, a calling to the mission of God, a calling to the ministry of God, and let her see, a calling to model the mystery of God. It's a calling to model the mystery of God. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says this, as the scriptures say, and then Paul quotes Genesis 2, 24 that we talked about last week, a man leaves his father and mother, and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great 
mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. That when we get this right, when two people start to pursue the purpose of marriage, understanding it is a calling to the mission of God. It's a calling to to ministering to my spouse on behalf of God. When we do that, it begins to reveal to an onlooking world the mystery of God and how Christ and the church are one, meaning all of us have sinned. That sin separated us from God. But God loved us so much, he had a solution. And the solution's name is Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He sought us out. He left heaven, came to earth, and sought us. He served us even though we did not deserve it. He served us even especially when we didn't deserve it. And he spoiled us by lavishing his saving love upon us for free. And what's our response back to that kind of love? Our response is, Jesus, I want to respect you. I want to do everything I can now to please you. I I want to rejoice with you that that in everything, regardless of circumstances, God, I rejoice in you. And God, I want to relate to you. So I'm drawing close to you so you can draw close to me. Do you see how marriage models the mystery of God when we actually get it right? But for so many of us, we just have all these parts laying on the floor. And we wonder why we're not building a house for God. All of this is impossible without the help of Jesus, without God's help. So I don't know what this means for you. I know what it means for me in my marriage. But you got to ask the question, God, in my marriage, in my singleness, am I truly on mission with this? Am I truly living out my life as a ministry for you? Am I modeling in my relationships the mystery of how you and the church are one? You got to ask those questions. And then whatever the Lord reveals, you got to make those changes. But only you can do it. Father in heaven, I thank you for the challenging truth of your word. And Lord, I pray for every marriage, every relationship, every single person in this room. Lord, would you, would you just elevate our understanding and standard of marriage? Lord, help us see it's, it's not about what I get. It's about in marriage, what can I give? to the kingdom, to to my spouse, to model the mystery of what you've done for us. Lord, help us live that out in our lives. Lord, would you save marriages today? Would you restore them? Would you build them back up? Because only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.